Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Monday, June 13th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world It's also got to be a day our hearts are heavy with sorrow because of the worst mass shooting in American history since Wounded Knee. I wish some of the uh, media outlets would uh, recognize that uh, when 300 or more Lakota men, women, and children were massacred. But since that time, our worst... Worst massacre in uh, American history in Orlando. Our thoughts uh, go out to the families and friends of the folks in Orlando uh, dealing with those uh, that nightclub killing uh, at the Pulse uh, yesterday. And uh, we're not going to talk too much about that in hour one, but uh, stay tuned for hour two because I'm going off. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going off an hour two, but we'll keep it cool for hour one. I do have one one story, though, that has that touches on the Orlando shooting. It's for our radical rant today. And, you know, when you're when you're going through this uh, process of dealing with this kind of news, it's 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 hard enough as it is. And then you have to deal with people who, you know, tone deaf. I don't know if that even that if that even covers it. Uh, the comments, what I'm referring to is uh, the Oregon affiliate. Of Project Sam, and that, of course, is Kevin Sabet's smart approaches to marijuana, the anti-legalization group. Uh, the Oregon affiliate had some tweets uh, the other day in response to Congressman Earl Blumenauer, my congressman, and um, just referenced the Orlando shooting in a way that was just reprehensible. And so we're going to talk about that in the radical rant, and that'll uh, lead us into hour two when I can really go off. Uh, But otherwise, on the show, it's Monday. And so that means we get our regular dose of cannabis science with Dr. Mitch Earlywine, the host of Burning Issues here on CannabisRadio.com. All sorts of things to talk about uh, with Dr. Mitch today. Lots of new studies uh, that are coming out and uh, new information that's coming out to get to. Uh, We'll be talking to uh, Dr. Mitch about the latest study from the federal government showing there has not been an increase in teen pot smoking. Uh, We've got some data on cannabis use and intimate partner violence, uh, domestic violence. Uh, We've also, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about whether or not the DEA is going to reclassify medical cannabis. And we'll talk about cannabis and exercise since that new cannabis gym is opening up with the uh, Jim McAlpine and the 420 Games people, along with uh, Ricky Williams and others. So that's coming up at half past and we can get your questions in as well if you get into our chat room uh, live on Spreaker through our CannabisRadio.com interface. Uh, We'll take questions via chat or you can call in live the old fashioned way at 971 
533-7111. Also coming up on the show today and behind the headlines, uh, we've got Missouri, University of Missouri Normal Chapter, being censored for their t-shirts, and uh, we'll take a look at the history of that kind of censorship throughout our college chapters with uh, Normal. And then in drug war data mining, we're going to take a look at the National Survey on Drug Use and Health and just figure out how uh, much pot does your state smoke? Where do you rank in the United States? And where do the states that are trying to legalize this year, where do they rank? We'll get all of that in drug war data mining all coming up today on the Russ Belleville Show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for all your support. Got plenty of surprises and new stuff coming for you, too. Stay tuned for that over the summer. In the meantime, got to take a break, pay some bills, and when we come back to Cannabis Radio News, we've got all the latest headlines from throughout the weekend for you in the world of cannabis. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. The cannabis business industry is growing, business is booming, and as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, 
and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, June 13th, 2016. Ottawa, Canada. The Federal New Democrats Party in Canada, or NDP, called on the ruling Liberal Party to immediately decriminalize marijuana. Murray Rankin of the NDP says that since marijuana will soon be made legal, it makes no sense to continue arresting Canadian adults for minor possession charges. But the Attorney General, Jody Wilson-Raybould, rejected the call, telling the House of Commons decriminalization, quote, would be giving a green light to dealers and criminal organizations to continue to sell unregulated and unsafe marijuana to Canadians, especially children and youth, end quote. Olympia, Washington. The Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board, or LCB, is notifying numerous marijuana license applicants that it improperly distributed their personal information, including social security numbers, driver's license numbers, financial information, tax information, and attorney-client privileged information. Last week, the LCB had released redacted information in a public records request, but inadvertently also included the source folder for the information, which contained unredacted information. The request was made by a local activist critical of the LCB, who is unable to determine how many people may have accessed the data from his servers before he was able to replace it with redacted versions. Santa Rosa, California. A group of conservationists and hunters is suing Mendocino County after it loosened restrictions on the cultivation of medical marijuana. The Press Democrat reports that an interim county ordinance allows permitted growers to have up to 99 marijuana plants on a 10-acre parcel. The maximum without a permit is 25, the previous maximum for all growers. The Mendocino County Blacktail Association says the county violated state laws by not completing an environmental study. The group is asking for an injunction on the ordinance until the county studies its potential impact. According to the lawsuit, marijuana cultivation can wreak havoc on the environment and poison wildlife. County Supervisor John McCowan says the interim rules were designed to protect the environment in light of pending state regulations allowing commercial marijuana cultivation. Boston, Massachusetts. Voters who signed petitions backing a proposal to legalize Massachusetts recreational marijuana were misled, a lawyer argued before the state's highest court Wednesday in a bid to block the measure from appearing on the November ballot. John Sheft, representing about 60 Massachusetts residents in a legal challenge, told the justices a summary of the proposed law failed to explain the potency of products that could become legal. He also said voters were never explicitly told high concentrations high concentrations of THC, the psychoactive chemical in marijuana, could be added to cookies, candy, and other food products sold in the state. Little Rock, Arkansas. Canvassers around the state are in a month-long sprint to gather thousands of signatures for proposed ballot issues. Depending on how things fall, voters might have a chance to consider multiple Arkansas marijuana-related proposals this fall. Two ballot issues under consideration would legalize medical marijuana and the prospect of competing proposals on the ballot worries advocates. Melissa Fultz, campaign director of Arkansans for Compassionate Care, says her group has already gathered more than 70,000 valid signatures from registered voters, more than the 67,887 needed to get the proposed initiated act on the ballot. David Couch, the Little Rock lawyer behind a competing medical marijuana proposal, says he's not worried about the prospects of both measures being on the ballot. Couch says he's gathered support from more than 40,000 registered voters, 
nearly half of the 84,859 signatures he'll need to put his plan on the ballot as a proposed constitutional amendment, which requires more signatures. Albuquerque, New Mexico. The medical marijuana industry is growing in New Mexico. Several licensed growers are expected to open new facilities as well as dispensaries in the coming months, which would mean a boost in jobs and the economy, the Albuquerque Journal reported. About $3 million in compensation and salaries was paid out by dispensaries and marijuana growers in the first quarter of 2016. That's an increase from $2.3 million in the same time last year. The number of licensed New Mexico patients who bought medical marijuana legally has tripled from last year's first quarter to more than 55,000. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, June 13, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold, California Kush, our strains stretch everywhere too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at America's college campuses, where there seems to be a problem understanding the basics of our First Amendment. <laughs> this latest case takes us to the University of Missouri, where they're talking about the MU Normal, that's Missouri University Normal, that normal chapter wants to have a T-shirt with their name on it, Missouri Normal, that also includes a marijuana leaf. Uh, and I think I saw one of them. It ha actually had like five marijuana leaves shaped like uh, the the paw 
for the Missouri Tigers, right? So uh, the university said no. Uh, <laughs> the university said no. Uh, and according to the president of the normal group, quote, the University of Missouri does not want to seem as if they're endorse- endorsing our viewpoint. We just want the rights that are afforded to other university organizations, end quote. So, of course, you know, if you have any other, you know, you got the University of Missouri LGBT group, they can have, you know, rainbows on their gear. If you're talking about the, you know, the, I don't know, the uh, uh, minority association, they can have whatever, you know, but the normal group can't have pot leaves. That's what the uh, problem here here is. Uh, The spokesperson for the university. Uh, said uh, the university values free expression. These are issues we want to take a look at very thoroughly, and I don't want to put a timeline on it, end quote. Now, the problem with this is that they they uh, don't know the history of how this has gone down in other states. Uh, I was Normal's national outreach coordinator from 2008 through 2012 and had to deal with this similar situation. I think it was at uh, University of Georgia uh, had a similar uh, situation go down, and, and maybe it was Iowa as well. A couple of these states where uh, the students at the university wanted to form a normal chapter and then uh, got this kind of warning or censorship from the university. And in every case, they have lost. In fact, here they in, in the story I'm reading, they even talk. It was Iowa State uh, University and they had to had to sue. And uh, this is the government can't dictate the content of speech. And this excuse by the universities that showing the pot leaf means they're somehow endorsing the message uh, runs counter to all we know about First Amendment decisions and and the rights of all the other groups on campus to be able to express themselves using their name and the name of their university. So uh, it, I don't think this is going to go well for uh, University of Missouri. I think they're going to lose this case. Uh, and it's also... It's also something it's also telling, you know, this this problem we've had just in general on our college campuses lately of trying to censor and restrict viewpoints that we don't agree with, trying to censor and restrict free speech. And and if you can't have free speech on a college campus, uh, where else is free speech supposed to bloom? Where else are people supposed to explore different ideas and, and learn and figure out who they are and how they relate to this world? But in college. And it also goes back to that problem I've always had with the censorship of pot of the pot leaf in general. You're you're censoring nature. It'd be like censoring an oak tree, right? I mean, you're censoring something that comes out of nature, right? Bad enough that we are so crazy censorious about our bodies, right? We can't show you know women's nipples or anything like that. They can't go topless, right? Bad enough we're that way, but we're talking about a plant. We're talking about a leaf on a plant. And the funny thing about it to me is that we don't smoke the leaf. <laughs> How can the leaf be the argument for us using it as a drug when very few of us, unless it was really desperate times, would be smoking the leaf? Uh, yeah, you could use the leaf to make concentrate. Sure, I guess there's that argument. But it doesn't uh, change the fact that we're talking about censoring a leaf, <laughs> a picture of nature. And that shows you how deep the propagandizing has gone on the marijuana issue because the side of that leaf that's not convincing people that's not talking about a plant to them 
to them, it's talking about an ideology. It, it conjures up, you know, uh, the Vietnam War for older folks. It conjures up left-wing ideology for some people. It conjures up right-wing libertarianism for other people. But it's everything but what it really is, the leaf of a flower. <laughs> and and th- that's what's so maddening about the censorship of the leaf to me is that we're talking about censoring flowers. What kind of sick culture are we when we can't even look at what nature provides us and allow college students to talk about it. You can't handle the truth. All right, folks, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll have our drug war data mining. Which states smoke the most pot and where do the next states that are trying to legalize fit in the rankings? We'll tell you when we come back. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line, Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared someone's going to take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I said, on this program, what do they want? My grandchildren and the monster. (gasps) Did I scare you? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. don't want to spend money on a night out but don't know what to do other than watching tv or playing video games consider playing guitar bass banjo or mandolin the instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense stop by the fingerboard extension downtown corvallis at 120 northwest second street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Well, today in the Data Minds, we want to take a look at information gathered by Professor John Getman. He's uh, writing in High Times Magazine. He's been a guest on the show numerous times. And he's taking a look at the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. 
and its substate information that has come out recently. And the most recent data is 2013, 2014. And they found that, hold on to your hats, folks, big surprise, the number one state for the monthly prevalence of marijuana use by adults 18 years and older is Kansas. No, wait, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, I know some of you are going, what? Kansas? No, just kidding. Colorado leads the nation in monthly cannabis use by people aged 18 and older. And uh, when they legalized in 2012, there's an increase in annual marijuana use from 18.94%, okay, 19%, to 20.74%, little bit of an increase, and monthly use went up from 12.86 to 15.17. We also see in Washington uh, increase from uh, 17.5% to 19% annual and 125 to 13% monthly. Now, these increases are not to be uh, afraid of. This is not something we should be scared of. Adults is what we're talking about here. Now, granted, we are talking adults 18 and up, and the legalization laws are for ages 21 and up. But I'm going to have a real hard time getting my feathers ruffled over people of voting age who can carry an M16 in Afghanistan. (laughs) I'm not going to get too worried about that. Right. They're adults. okay. even if they're not supposed to be getting at it, at least it's not the children. And as the previous three federal data sets have shown us, including this national survey and drug use and health data that we're talking about now, there's actually been either a steady or a decline in the rates of use by people aged 12 to 17. So legalization is doing exactly what we would want it to do. It's decreasing use among the youth, but it's increasing use among the adults. And this is something we're going to have to be very careful about to make sure that we fight to make people understand that an increase in use by adults is not a bad thing. You know, that, that's one of the things Project Sam will try to jump on is, oh, see, pot use went up. But if pot use is going up and they're replacing Ambien and Oxycontin and Xanax and Tylenol and ibuprofens and all that kind of stuff, then we're talking about a net good for our society. And as long as we're not seeing any increases in the indices of harms, then what is the problem with more people using? Now, as far as the top 10 places for monthly marijuana use, we already said Colorado is number one. Coming in number two is Vermont, followed by Washington, Rhode Island, Maine, D.C., Oregon, Alaska, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. So out of that, you'd notice there's only one state in, well, actually all of the states in that list, except that the last one, New Hampshire, either have legal marijuana or are looking to get legal marijuana on the ballot or through their legislatures. So the number one state, they're legal. Number two state, Vermont, tried to get it through their legislature, didn't happen. Number three, Washington, legal. Number four, Rhode Island, working through their legislature. Number five, Maine, looking for, have, they got that on the ballot this year. D.C., already legal. Oregon, already legal. Alaska, already legal. Massachusetts, getting it on the ballot. So nine of the top 10 of the marijuana-using states for monthly use are getting it on the ballot or getting it legal. Looking at the other states that are trying to legalize, Arizona comes in 15th in the list. California's 14th. Uh, Florida, for medical marijuana, is 26th. Michigan, well, it doesn't look like Michigan's make the ballot, but they're 11th in the list. Missouri's going for medical. They're 20th in the list. 
Uh, Montana has some ballot initiatives, uh, one to legalize, one to restore their medical marijuana, and one to actually ban, uh, to repeal the medical marijuana. They come in 12th. Nevada is 23rd. They've got it on the ballot. Uh, North Dakota might have a medical uh, long shot, 46th, and Oklahoma also a long shot at 40th. Uh, so what we're seeing here is that all the states that are moving forward uh, with legalization that have a, a reasonable shot, either medical or recreational legalization, are those states that are above 25th or higher in the regular use of marijuana. Now, it's not because those of us who are smoking pot are tipping these elections by any means. Even when we look at at uh, Colorado, like we said, monthly uh, pot smoking in Colorado at this point uh, is sitting at 15.17%. You know, so a little more than one out of seven people are smoking pot monthly. You're not going to pass anything with just one out of seven people. This You got to get at least three out of the rest of those seven who don't smoke pot to get on your side. So it's not that these states that have more pot smokers are passing the initiatives. It's the, I believe... The places that have more pot smokers, the people who don't smoke pot aren't afraid of them. They aren't as afraid of them because they can actually see them. They actually know them. They actually work with them. They, they know people that know them. And they realize that, hey, we got all these pot smokers around here and things aren't so bad. It's not so bad. Everything's going just fine. And I think that's what leads a lot of these people to be able to accept or to be more tolerant and want to vote in favor of marijuana reforms. So uh, looking forward to uh, some of the rest of these states getting on board. We're at 25 states with medical marijuana. We've taken Louisiana off the list, by the way. Uh, Talked to Karen O'Keefe at MPP, and uh, she says, while Louisiana has passed recently uh, laws to change its medical marijuana, uh, they're still dysfunctional as hell and, and won't work. So took it off the list we're back down to 25 if you, if you thought we were at 26 We've got four states with legalization another five looking to vote on it 2016 is going to be our year folks all right stay tuned when we come back we got dr mitch and questions and answers in our cannabis science This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. The cannabis business industry is growing, business is booming, and as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit cann management.com. 
Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everybody. 32 after the hour time for our Cannabis Science with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. We're still ringing out on the line to him, trying to get him on the phone. But we got all sorts of interesting topics to get to. And if you've got any questions for Dr. Mitch Earlywine, make sure you get them into our chat room. You can visit our chat room at CannabisRadio.com. Should be available for you there. And uh, just give us your questions, and we'll make sure to get them to them. Also, you can call in at 971-533-7111 if you'd like to talk to Dr. Mitch uh, that way, assuming we can get him on the line. I'm having some difficulty uh, making the call. Let's see if we can try the uh, the other number for Dr. Mitch here. Uh, let's see. Where's that at? Uh, Mitch Early Wine. Here we go. And we'll see if we can reach him on the line. There's a new study out as far as the uh, effects of cannabis on adults and youth. So we'll talk a little bit about that in our segment here. And also more studies on cannabis use and intimate partner violence. So we'll talk a little bit that as well if we can get Dr. Mitch on the line. But it's not looking as though we're going to be able to. I'm not getting any response from any of the numbers that I have got. So um, I'll tell you what, folks, we're going to take a break and I will find us something to listen to until we can get Dr. Mitch on the line. So hang on a second. Take a quick breather. Try to reorganize. Get Dr. Mitch on the line. Get somebody on the line. (laughs) It's definitely a Monday, I guess. We'll be right back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, 
every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Keith Strop, the founder of Normal, is here. The single most important victory will be California. We've got Steve D'Angelo. Well, the state of cannabis affairs in California is in flux. The guru of ganja, Ed Rosenthal. It's uh, better for people to be using concentrates. Weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are just going to uh, give you some audio from the uh, Aspen Legal Seminar. Our good friend Jordan Person, the executive director of Denver Normal, that organization is fighting for a social use initiative, one that would allow for pot lounges and public gatherings with cannabis use. Listen to Jordan. She'll tell you all about it. Really propelled me into a life of activism. Um, I met Kevin, the national outreach coordinator in 2013, and he began bringing me to all of these normal events. And for the first time in my life, I was surrounded by very intelligent, educated, professional individuals that all smoked pot every day, just like me. And I was no longer a stoner or an outcast or a pothead. I was a professional that just happened to consume cannabis responsibly. And so then Denver Normal came about. I kept looking at the city of Denver and thinking, more can be done. Why aren't we doing more? What do we need in our city? And that is a place to socially consume. We currently have 200 dispensaries in the city of Denver and not one single place to legally consume cannabis. We are currently fining everyone that comes into our state um, upwards of $1,000 each trip. Some people are fined $500 for their hotel rooms, $250 for their rental cars. Um, public consumption citations are $250. And it's because people are smoking in parks, smoking in their hotel rooms, smoking in their rental cars, because where else would they go to smoke? Most people that are coming to Colorado don't have a private residence. And if they do have an Airbnb, most Airbnbs in Colorado actually say not 420 friendly because it has become such a problem in our city. And so the way I've been looking at it with the mayor's office lately is, you know, if, if we had 200 liquor stores in the city of Denver, but we had no bars, where would people consume alcohol? In their car, in their hotel, on the street corner, wherever they wanted, because they had no place to consume it. And so we started working um, in January on this initiative. We are calling it Responsible Use Denver because that's what we're encouraging, the responsible use of cannabis. Um, and in any form, not just the vaping form, but edible, smoking, whatever consumption you would like to do. We worked very hard for many months with Judd Golden. He is a member of the Colorado Normal Board. He's an attorney out of 
uh, Boulder. He's incredible. Um, I have copies of our language available upstairs as well as you guys all have cards um, at your chair. ResponsibleUseDenver.com. You can read the full language there as well. Basically, what our language states um, is 21 and up for all facilities. It would be a private membership model. So each business will have the ability to decide what that membership model consists of. There's currently one disp or dispensary, one cannabis club or speakeasy, whatever we want to call it, um, that exists in Inglewood, Colorado, and their membership model is $10 a month and then $4.20 a day. And you can come and go as you please. Um, and they have a very strict no alcohol policy. They do not allow the mixing. If people come in and have consumed alcohol, they ask them to politely come back a different day where they haven't consumed. Um, we have given the mayor's office a tour of this facility. We have been incredibly transparent with the mayor and with the city attorney, as well as the city council, because we wanted everyone to be on board and to understand that we are trying to have the least amount of pushback from the least amount of industries possible. So 21 and up, private membership club, no distribution with remuneration on site. Everyone will have to bring your own cannabis. And what am I missing? Sorry. Uh, no prepared food. Excuse me, only prepared food and beverages on site. There will be no um, liquor license or no food license will be able to apply for this. And that is to keep the amount of pushback from the alcohol industry, the insurance industry, and the Food and Beverage Commission. Um, there was a previous initiative attempt done a year ago, and that was the primary pushback they received. So we decided to leave all of that out and focus on what Denver doesn't have. We have tons of restaurants. We have tons of bars. What we don't have is a place to consume cannabis. And so that's the problem we're trying to solve. We also put a portion of our language in that would include a special event permit. Right now, um, I don't know if any of you heard on the news this past year, we lost the cannabis cup for the first time, and that was because of a permitting process, and it goes on and on, but we've created a permitting process now as part of our language that would allow events for 21 and up, private events that would be invitation only, again, no on-site sale or distribution, uh, facilities that have a liquor license or a food license would not be able to apply for this event permit, and there will be 24 event permits that they can apply for a year. Currently in the city of Denver, you can only apply for 15 special event permits that include alcohol, so we almost doubled that number by allowing 24. And so certain uh, business models that would be able to apply for this, any event, um, excuse me, any venue or uh, person can apply for this event permit um, with the Cannabis club model, you have to be a resident of Colorado for a year and pass a background check. Those are really the only two um, mandatory requirements that we put in there. Other than that, it opens the model up to a lot of different types of business models. Our end goal, of course, is to have the MED involved and allow that on-site distribution, but we're a solid two to three years away from that model. We have to first prove that we are responsible consumers. And so why am I talking to you all today? to ask you very kindly to donate to our campaign. We have so many expenses that are coming up. Our, we are currently gathering signatures. We're about a quarter of a way done. We have until August 15th to get all the signatures that we need to certify us for the ballot. And then once that happens, you know we have to get out the vote. 
We have roughly 600,000 residents in the city of Denver. We need roughly 150,000 of those people to vote for this initiative. We only need 5,000 signatures, but 150,000 votes. So please open your wallets and your pocketbooks and your hearts to Denver Normal and to this initiative. Um, you can see me to make a donation. Oh, I wanted to add this. Grassroots. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the company Grassroots. They've been making the normal hats for this organization for a number of years, um, and the owner of this company actually had a cannabis club that was not regulated and it was closed on 422 years ago and they made a very public spectacle of him. Uh, he sold t-shirts and hats at the front of the shop and at the back he had an area that was a break room. They called it the break room and as people that worked downtown would have a break, they'd go in and take a dab or smoke a joint. It was a private business and things were going great until the city found out about it and shut him down. So as soon as he found out about this uh, initiative that we're working on, he donated his time, designed our logo, created these hats for a fundraiser for us, and they've been incredibly involved in this entire process. So thanks to them, and thank you, Keith, for allowing me to speak. Thank you all, and I hope everybody... Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They would not be able to sell alcohol, but they would be able to have like a bring your own, bring your own alcohol. Um, but they wouldn't be able to have an alcohol permit per se. Correct. An alcohol license. Correct. Um, we have a cannabis club in Netherland, and we have one in Inglewood um, that are currently operational and functional. Colorado Springs has several um, models. Theirs is a little bit different. They do allow on-site distribution at many of them. Um, and, and again, eventually that is our long-term goal with the city, but we have to do this incrementally and, and trying to get what we can pass now. And with the excitement of the presidential year, we felt that this was the, the best model to follow. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. That's Jordan Person from Denver Normal explaining the social use initiative that they are fighting for. And uh, we're going to take a break, real quick one, and then we'll get into the radical rant talking about Project Sam Oregon. Oh my God, you won't believe what they just said. Stay tuned. 
everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> More flavor. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. All right, today for the Radical Rant, uh, we're digging into the headlines and, of course, the tragedy that has occurred in Orlando, Florida, where I think it's 50. Now I'm seeing some reports that say 49, but I'm going to stick with 50 people Shot and killed with an auto, a semi-automatic uh, assault rifle type weapon, um, and we can talk about the semantics an hour or two. But uh, sorry, if you're able to spray down and kill fifty people at one time, that's an assault weapon. That's a weapon that you can commit an assault with. Okay, but uh, anyway, we had the uh, fifty people killed, fifty-three people injured, all over a three-hour standoff with the uh, shooter who was eventually killed. Um, a shooter who um, did his heinous act out of what appears to be religious-fueled homophobia. And that's a whole nother rant I could go off on. But uh, we're going to stick to the subject here. And the subject is Project Sam. Y'all know about Project Sam, right? That's Kevin Sabet's Smart Approaches to Marijuana, where I like to call it Project Samuel. Smart Approaches to Marijuana Use Except Legalization. And uh, SMART, of course, stands for Stoners must all receive treatment. Well, following that horrendous mass shooting, Sam Oregon, which is the state affiliate of Kevin Sabet's anti-pot group Project Sam, sent out a tweet responding, trolling Oregon Congressman, my Congressman Earl Blumenauer, over his statement of sorrow for the killings. Earl Blumenauer, Representative Blumenauer, tweeted out, Words cannot express my sorrow. Disgusted by this horrific act on the LGBT community and cowardice of those who won't pass sensible gun laws. That was Earl Blumenauer's tweet. In response to that tweet, Sam Oregon, Project Sam in Oregon, led by Portland native Randy Philbrick, responded, Representative Blumenauer, you can't support one threat to public health, public safety, and then condemn another. You have failed this state. So 
from the context and the history, uh, it's clear that Sam Oregon is calling Representative Blumenauer's support of marijuana legalization a threat to public health and public safety, and then comparing it to the mass shooting that Representative Blumenauer was condemning. Blumenauer, in response, says Sam Oregon, over 32,000 dead from gun violence each year in the U.S., zero dead from marijuana. Your comparison is delusional and shameful. Excellent response. And it got a lot of response from other uh, marijuana and drug law reformers on Twitter. Maya Salovitz, who is the author of the new book Unbroken Brain and a contributor to Time magazine, reiterated the congressman's point, saying, Sam Oregon, there's never been a single OD death without added alcohol. Doesn't seem to increase car death risk. Okay, so that's, uh, and someone who's got the research down to make that statement. Tom Angel, who's the uh, chairman of Marijuana Majority, characterized the tweet as embarrassing and shameful and warned, quote, Make sure you see this embarrassing and shameful prohibitionist tweet before learn about Sam eventually forces a delete. That would be Project Sam, Kevin Sabet. Shailene Title, who was uh, formerly with Law Enforcement Against Prohibition and I believe working with, I forget which minority cannabis association, but um, formerly with Leap, uh, said, uh, hey, learn about Sam. You might want to rein in your affiliate who's trolling a U.S. congressman on Orlando, hashtag tone deaf. And that's where I got looped into this conversation online. I caught these responses to this tweet from Randy Philbrick of Project Sam Oregon. But it appears, however, that that tweet was not the first tweet. There was actually a response earlier that he he had actually done two responses to Congressman Blumenauer's initial tweet. And remember, the initial tweet was words cannot express my sorrow disgusted by this horrific act on the LGBT community and cowardice of those who won't pass sensible gun laws. The first retweet from Sam Oregon said, Representative Blumenauer, would that be the same cowardice as those who refuse to stand up against the marijuana industry? (laughs) Oh, man. So now he's comparing trying to pass some sort of sensible gun regulations to uh, refusing to stop big marijuana. And it would appear that uh, Tom Angel was prescient because those original tweets from 10.16 a.m. and 10.20 a.m. have been deleted. And in their place, he's got a couple of retweets of uh, the Orlando Magic's uh, response, their their sorrow over the events. And uh, a couple of uh, tweets that he's put out saying, uh, oh, everybody's misconstrued what I've said. Everybody's taken it out of context. They've blown it way out of proportion. No, no, Randy, it's quite simple. You said something that was abominable, that was ridiculous, that made no sense whatsoever. You tried to use the horrific shootings in in Orlando to convince people that marijuana legalization was somehow a bad thing. And and this isn't even a case like, you know, when they had the, the Sarnayev bombers in Boston and they found out that they were potheads. Oh, my God. See, pot leads to bombing. This isn't even that. <laughs> this, is, this is just this is just trolling a congressman over his heartfelt sympathies and feelings over a, a tragic shooting. It's just remarkable. And the Project Sam people, you know, the the 
the, the prohibitionist people, this is, this is the depths to which they will sink. They will, they will try to conflate every terrible thing that happens in society. And if they can find a marijuana angle on it, they're going to jump on that and hammer it home and try to make people think that somehow, despite the past four or five decades of popular marijuana use in America, despite the 7,000 years of overall cannabis use on the planet, that somehow now there's something bad from it that we, that we just never detected before. There's a brand new terror that we have to worry about. You see it in every one of these new studies that comes out to purport to say, oh, there's some problem. It, it, it destroys your brain. It re- destroys the reward circuits. It does X, Y, or Z that has never been known. Folks, we know what marijuana use can do to you. We know what it can do. Marijuana use can heal you. Marijuana use can lead to insight. Marijuana use can relax you. Marijuana use can make you temporarily forgetful. I won't deny that. Marijuana use can build bridges, build friends, uh, be something social. And the latest studies we've shown have, uh, the latest studies we've seen have shown that the most deleterious effect from long-term cannabis use isn't any problem with the lungs any problem with the brain, any problem with the heart, any problem with the cardiovascular, muscular, skeletal, uh, endocrine systems, the, the nervous, nothing. The long-term harm of pot smoking, it seems, is gum disease. Periodontist. <laughs> That's just, uh, this is, uh, go see your periodontist, man. That's all you need, right? Make sure you floss a little extra and everything's fine. And then all these studies that purport to say, that you're going to lose cognitive benefit. You're going to uh, lower IQ uh, problems with, with income and achievement. Either are one debunked. All these cognitive things have been debunked time after time after time. Most recently, the twin study at a college uh, university college of London, where they, uh, they, they took a you know, bunch of identical twins, one twin who smoked pot, one who did not smoke pot. And they compared them over years and years and found, hey, they're still pretty much the same. Same cognitive levels, same uh, abilities and so forth. And then the other part, the part that's not debunked, but the part that is misattributed is when they say, oh, well, the the pot smokers do worse uh, long term for their income or they they have worse outcomes in life or they have lower uh, satisfaction with life. Well, yeah, because they've had to live in the shadows as criminals. Because when they get caught, they lose their jobs or they lose their scholarships. They go to jail. They lose their stuff. They end up with a criminal record. They have to check a box every time they want to try to get a job that says, hey, I was a drug criminal. So, yeah, of course, things turned out worse for them. So that's what you're going to see from Project Sam. You're going to see obfuscation about any of the studies that show anything good about marijuana. You're going to see over-exaggeration of any studies that show anything bad about marijuana. And you're going to see misattribution you can see misattribution of the problems of prohibition being applied to the marijuana itself. Oh, there's, there's crime associated with marijuana. Yeah, because it's illegal. I've got a story sitting in, uh, in the hopper here. Uh, a marijuana deal gone bad in Springfield, Illinois, led to two cars chasing after each other, shooting at, shooting at each other like a damn movie. All right. Well, we got to we got to call it for hour one. Stay tuned. Hour two is up next. And I got a lot to say about Orlando. <laughs> Let me tell you. And uh, 
This might surprise you, though. I like guns. I really like guns. I do. I've shot lots of them. They're great. They're fun. That doesn't mean I don't think we can do something about massacres every other week. And that's what I'm going to aim for an hour or two. Can we find some common ground, people? Can we find some common ground? I got my hippy-dippy liberal Pacific Northwest pot lovers. I got my libertarian Texas gun-toting pot lovers. I want to find some middle ground today. Stay tuned. We'll see if we can. For everyone here at Cannabis Radio, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can toke. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, welcome back, everybody. Time for Toker Talk Radio, hour two. And uh, this this hour may not have much to do about marijuana, folks. And, and I'm going to tell you something. Over the next few, uh, you know, from now on, actually, hour two is going to be Toker Talk Radio. And what that means is we are tokers and we're going to have some talk radio. Doesn't mean we're necessarily going to talk just about marijuana, even though we talk about toke, toke about talk and all that stuff I say in the intro. But you know what? I've been talking about pot for eight years now, <laughs> right? And we're at a point where 54 to 56 to 61% of the American people agree with us at this point. So I'm kind of at a point in my career where I'm thinking, like, how much more do I really need to say? How much more do I really need to talk about weed? I, most people, it looks like, I, it looks like I'm winning. <laughs> it looks like I've convinced a lot of people. They're on my side now. So from time to time, when appropriate, 
we're going to delve into other political arenas. We're going to delve into other topics because I think one of the wonderful things about marijuana is how it brings people together who would never be brought together ever in their life otherwise. I'm talking about my hippy-dippy liberal pot smoker, tie-dye, patchouli, dreadlock-type folks here in the Pacific Northwest and elsewhere around the country. I just see a lot of them here. (laughs) And my conservative, gun-toting, flag-waving, God-loving, libertarian-leaning conservative types in the rural areas who also like pot. Right. Where, where, what, what other thing, what other topic brings together such a wide range of political viewpoints in other arenas than does marijuana? Right. I mean, I, I know pro-life pot smokers. I know pro-choice pot smokers. I know heavily religious pot smokers. I know atheist pot smokers. I know straight pot smokers. I know gay pot smokers. I know black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American pot smokers. Right. So I think. If we can, if we can get past, and this is going to be hard, <laughs> if we can just put aside the tribalism for a second, gun grabber or gun humper, right? Let's put aside the tribalism and, and the extremism of these arguments. And instead of t- trying to start the discussion way out on our side, whichever side of the debate you might be on, and instead see what at least from both of our viewpoints, can we find any common ground? Is there anything we can agree to when we talk about this? And let's start from there. Let's figure out what we agree on first, and then let's see where where we disagree and to see how far apart that is. And and can there be any reconciliation there? Can there be any adjustment? Because I'll tell you, when this happens week after week, month after month, And the response collectively from our society is, oh, well, yeah, oh, well, bunch of bunch of school kids got shot up. Yeah, don't change nothing. Oh, bunch, bunch of folks at a club got shot up. Yeah, oh, well, nothing, nothing you can do. It's like a tornado. It's like a flash flood. It's uh, like a wildfire. It's just an act of nature. Nothing we can do about it. We're, We're helpless. We're hopeless. We can't change a damn thing. Nothing, nothing can be done. We just have to accept it. You know, if you lived in Australia... You'd have to accept the fact that something poisonous might bite you. If you lived in Tokyo, you might have to accept the fact that Godzilla will come out of the water or you'll be an earthquake or something, right? You live in Siberia, you might be risking frostbite. And if you live in America, well, when you go out shopping or to the church or to the theater or some the mall or something, you might be killed by a random bullet. And we just can't do anything about it, I guess. Just have to live with it. It's no big deal. That's just the way it is. We're just the place where guns can kill you. That's all. I don't believe that's true, folks. Stay tuned. We'll come back and talk about it. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks, and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Creeping up on nine after the hour, and we're talking about the horrific massacre in Orlando. 50 dead, 53 injured by a homophobic religious extremist. And I like to say religious extremist, not Islamic extremist, because it's religion that's the problem in the homophobia. Christianity's got just as much homophobia. Hell, Ted Cruz was at a campaign event where he stood there with some pastor who called for gays to be killed. So, uh, you know, blood's on both sides' hands, especially after we uh, pick up this kid in Santa Monica, the 20-year-old in Santa Monica, who was, gonna he- who was heading to the uh, Los Angeles Gay Pride Parade with... Automatic weapons and or the automatics, but with weapons and and uh, and ammo and uh, liquid to make IEDs with. Who's on his way to that pride parade? So uh, heavily doubt he's uh, Islamic, but anyway, or Muslim, I should say. Anyway, that's that's a that's a diversion. Let's talk about the actual problem. And and I started this hour talking about where can we find middle ground. So the first thing, the first place I'd like to find middle ground. And I'd like to, I'd like to do uh, addressing this. Let's just call it left and right. Although I don't think that's an act necessarily an accurate way to characterize the gun issue because I got a lot of liberal Democratic friends who are heavy into guns, and I got a lot of conservative friends who think there ought to be some gun control. So I don't even know if it's a left right issue anymore. But let's okay, let's call it gun humper gun grabber. Okay, why not? 
So let me address the gun grabber side first, the left, the the hippy dippy side. We're not going to ban all guns. It ain't happening. It's not going to happen. Just put away the Australia stuff because it ain't happening. And furthermore, it shouldn't happen. We need to on the left, on the gun grabber side, let's let's find the common ground to understand that our Constitution grants us an individual right to bear arms. I don't necessarily agree with that interpretation by the Supreme Court. I think the whole bullshit about the commas and the dependent clause and well-regulated militia was just there just just because it doesn't really have any meaning. I think that's a bullshit interpretation, but it's the interpretation we got from the Supreme Court. It was the Heller decision, D.C. versus Heller, and it, it said that we have a personal right to bear arms, and, and I think that's justifiable. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness don't mean a whole lot if you can't defend your own life. So I, I am on board with that part of the gun aficionado argument, the constitutional part. It's in our Constitution. We have a right to bear arms. What I, where I get off that topic, though, is the idea that is completely unregulatable. That there can be no regulations afforded to our right to bear arms because then that would be infringing on our right to bear arms. And even Justice Scalia, the late Justice Scalia, who authored the majority opinion in the Heller decision, said that this is not an absolute thing, your right to bear arms. It doesn't mean there couldn't be regulations. We're just saying these D.C. regulations went a little too far, but it doesn't mean there, you couldn't regulate the damn things. And for the and for the side, the other side that keeps saying this constitution, constitution, right to bear arms. Okay, if you really believe that, that the arms we have now, the AR fifteens, the AK forty sevens, the thirty round magazines, etc., those kind of things being arms that are available under the Second Amendment, then why aren't you arguing for M sixties? And why aren't you arguing for stinger missiles? And why aren't you arguing for light anti tank weapons and tactical nukes? You know, arms. Because if you're not arguing for that, then you're tacitly accepting there is a line. There is a line between military weapons and personal weapons. You're you're accepting that if you're not arguing for full civilian access to every possible weapon that the military has. If you are arguing for that, well, at least you're at least you're consistent. <laughs> Daffy, but consistent. <laughs> really? You want you want regular civilians in possession of fucking stinger missiles? Really? All right. <laughs> so, let's let's find the common ground on that. That there is a right to bear arms and we're not going to get rid of all the guns. Can we agree to that on the left, on the, on the gun grabber side? You, you, you're not taking away the guns. There are people going to have the guns. Now, on the right side, on the, on the gun humper side, can we agree that randomly sprayed bullets in public places are a bad thing? That's the thing that comes to my mind the most. You know, after every one of these events, Sandy Hook, Umpqua Community College, Aurora Theater, this one, after every single one of these, I get onto Facebook, I get on the internet, you know me, I live online, and all the arguments I see coming from the pro-Second Amendment crowd seem to just brush right on by the point that, hey, 50 people just got killed. 53 people just got injured. They just seem to brush right by that. 
Oh, you can't take this gun. And, and, and I wish they could just, I wish they could grasp how it sounds and how it looks and how it feels to a lot of us out here. A lot of us, it feels like, oh, well, 50 people got shot, but that's the price that we have to pay so that I can go have some fun with an AR-15 in the desert shooting rats or whatever. Oh, well, 20 dead school kids and six dead teachers. Well, that's just the price of freedom, I guess. Now, there are some people who will honestly admit that point. I think we've got one in our chat room. Michael in our chat room says, my job's not to worry about public safety or harm reduction. My job's to enforce the Constitution. Okay, that's logically consistent and honest. Who gives a fuck if we live, if, if 32,000 people a year die from guns? That's just the price of being the gun country. We get to be the gun country, so we just have to accept 32,000 deaths. At least that's logically honest. But for the rest of us... <laughs> Can we at least agree this is bad? Can we agree that sending our kids out, our wives, our husbands, our friends, knowing that we're walking around in civilian places, malls and theaters and shopping centers and churches and nightclubs, can we at least, can we at least, can we at least recognize that that's a terrifying way to have to live to know that like just being out because, because nobody else in the world in the developed countries, similar to the United States. Yeah. Obviously I'm not talking about Somalia. Okay. (laughs) But the countries like us, the Western European democracies, the, the Pacific democracies, this doesn't happen. This just doesn't happen. Now, again, the extreme is Australia, Port Arthur, 1996. They have a massacre with 35 killed. Their government says, bam, we're taking the guns. They, they confiscated 650,000 guns in a buyback program and have extremely strict regulations. That's the extreme. But we got other countries, Germany, France, Britain, you know, <laughs> lots of them where, yeah, people die from guns. Gun death doesn't ever just go away. But the numbers are in the two digits or three digits. And our numbers are in the five digits. There's something wrong with us. And that's the thing. A lot of people, especially, you know, constitution grabbing, you know, flag waving patriots. Can't accept the idea that the United States might not be as good as some other country. But folks, we we are the outlier. This does not happen anywhere else. And I think it's incumbent on us to ask why, <laughs> if we care, do we care? And again, some, some of us don't care. Eh, bunch of people got shot. Well, I still got my AR-15 and my 80,000 rounds of ammo and my Glock and my Sig Sauer and my, you know, the 60 guns they own or whatever. <sighs> All right. So that's the first thing. Can we find some common ground in two things? Number one, we have a right to bear arms. Number two. Randomly sprayed bullets in public places are a bad thing we ought to try to reduce. Could we at least agree to those two things? We have a right to bear arms. Randomly sprayed bullets are bad. If we can't come to a consensus on just those two things, we can't make any changes here, folks. We've got to at least agree to those two things. 
Randomly sprayed bullets are bad. People have a right to bear arms. Now, I'm going to take the next couple of segments and start talking about the the gun debate itself because uh, I've been inspired. Last night, I watched a whole bunch of videos, and I'll recommend a couple of them to you, right? First of all, check out Jordan Klepper, good guy with a gun. Jordan Klepper, K-L-E-P-P-E-R. Jordan Klepper, good guy with a gun. It's about the only clip from the Daily Show without Jon Stewart (laughs) that I've enjoyed. And it's amazing. And it's not the only one out there. There's a, there's, a clip, there's a clip out there from ABC News and a clip out there from the Washington Post. Three different clips out there of tactical simulations that take your so-called good guy with a gun and put him in these scenarios, these uh, demonstrations, and they show that, guess what? Good guy with a gun, nine times out of ten, shits his pants, gets shot up, shoots up other civilians... See, these kind of live fire situations are stressful and difficult for the freaking SWAT teams and military extraction teams that train on this shit eight hours a day all the time. It's hard for them to deal with these situations. And we're expecting Fred with his beer belly and his friends that like to shoot up cans in the desert with their AR-15s because they're big macho studs are somehow going to be better trained, better able to take down the bad guy. With the gun, right? Sure. No, they're just going to shoot the place up and get themselves shot up. Silent Green is people! (laughs) Silent Green is people! Yeah, all right. So when we come back, we'll talk about the gun debate and how, look, sensible regulation does not mean that the all the guns are being taken away. And the Second Amendment does not mean... You can protect yourself from a tyrannical government anymore. That ship has sailed. All right, we'll be right back. We'll talk more about this. Earn your PhD in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the third annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo. The most influential business event in the marijuana industry returns for three days in Oakland, California. Join your fellow industry leaders and policy influencers June 20th through 22nd for an in-depth educational experience and network with more than 3,000 cannabis professionals. The 2016 Cannabis Business Summit and Expo will feature keynote presentations from California Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom and Numi Organic Tea CEO Ahmed Rahim giving you insight into cutting-edge policy discussions and the most innovative business practices. All this plus the most comprehensive expo floor in the industry. The Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 20th through 22nd in Oakland. Don't miss out. Register right now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com and save 15% off registration using promo code RADIO15. That's CannabisBusinessSummit.com, promo code RADIO15. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
the National Wildlife Refuge for Marijuana Unicorns. Get .buzz. .buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. .buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. .buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. .buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. Hello, Mr. Man. Hi. I'm doing, I'm, I'm working. I'm sorry. No food till this is done. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. 23 after the hour, we're talking about guns. And um, I mentioned a video before I went to break. Jordan Klepper, good guy with a gun. And it shows... Just what it takes to be a good guy with a gun. Starts off with him uh, going to a state that has pretty lax gun laws. There's about 30 of them. I think he went to, was it Florida or Ohio? I can't remember. But he went to one of those states. And um, in order to get his gun and have his uh, license permit there, he had to first pass a written test. It was three-page, multiple-choice test with questions like, true or false, when carrying a gun, you should point the muzzle away from people. Right? So we're talking an idiot level test that he had to pass. And then he had to go to a firing range, demonstrate, you know, that he could fire the gun at a paper target. And two hours later, like, that was it. That's all he needed. And he was then licensed and legal in 60% of the United States to be walking around with a gun. And then the rest of the video, <laughs> the rest of the video takes them to these uh, law enforcement rapid response training teams in Texas, right? These guys that they have a, they have a, a abandoned elementary school and they use it for live fire scenarios with like paintballs, right? Live fire scenarios to simulate active shooter situations. And in every single one, Klepper ends up getting shot, gets a, ends up shooting other civilians, ends up, it's just a mess. It's just terrible. So let's, let's dispense. So that's the first, that's the first video. Let me get to the second video. Cause I'm going to steal so much from it. I want to make sure that I give credit. <laughs> There's a comedian from Australia named Jim Jeffries. Go Google Jim Jeffries guns and watch the two parts that he does on guns in America there is more truth in that 30 minutes of stand-up comedy about guns than any other thing I've ever seen. And one of the things I like about it, he's kind of like me. He says, look, it's in the Constitution. You have a right to bear arms. And, and, and I, you know, I think here's, here's what's at the core. Here's a, what's at the core of this. Fear. Fear is at the core of this. Fear and the illusion of safety. This whole good guy with a gun thing is the same kind of base level emotional gut reaction that leads people to think we can't do any damn thing about any regulation for any gun whatsoever. It's the same sort of emotion that leads people to accept taking off your shoes at the airport so we don't get bombed in the plane, right? It's that same idea of, well, uh, 
we do something, it, bad things will happen. Oh my God, right. It's this, it's this idea that somewhere, somehow, some bad guy's going to try to attack me and my family. And if I don't have my gun with me, oh no, I'll have let my family get killed without having fought back. Now, that's not an irrational fear. It's possible to happen. It's just not probable to happen. Like, I could run around all the time in terror that I could be struck by lightning and make sure that everything I wear and everywhere I go is rubber insulated and I'm never anywhere near open water or open field. Yeah, I could live my life that way. (laughs) But I also recognize that, look, hey, lightning strikes, okay? And if I get struck by lightning and kills me, that's the way it goes. Sucks to be me. Right. And, and, and yeah, you could be at home and suffer a home invasion where someone comes in to try to rape and pillage and kill you, but not likely. And the statistics show much more likely the gun in your house is going to be used to kill yourself or somebody, you know. And so anyway, Jim Jeffries attacks these gun arguments and, and he makes the point and I make the same point. There's really only one argument for the guns, the way the gun laws, the way they are. And that argument is, fuck you. I like my guns. Cause the rest of the arguments are rank bullshit. The first rank bullshit argument is, well, second amendment was a formed. So the people could defend themselves in a, against a tyrannical government, which yeah, makes a lot of sense when the tyrannical government has muskets and cannons and you have muskets Uh, yeah you could probably fight off the tyrannical government today the tyrannical government would have mraps and drones and stinger missiles and air support and seal team six and m60 machine guns and flashbang grenades and live grenades and thermite grenades and just (laughs) Really? You want to fight them off with your AR-15, right? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna stand up against SEAL Team 6, you and your AR-15, against the tyrannical government. And here's the thing that gets me about that. All these people that want to hold the Constitution, oh, it's so holy, the Second Amendment is holy and sacrosanct, I shall defend the Constitution, haven't lifted a goddamn gun once. When the tyrannical government was starting the war on drugs, didn't lift a goddamn gun to stop the spying on American citizens that Edward Snowden uh, revealed, didn't lift a goddamn gun to deal with any of the massively tyrannical things our government has done to us as of late. Seems to me the only thing the Second Amendment worshiping people in the country would ever raise their guns against is someone trying to take their guns every other liberty fuck it you can have it they don't give a shit i haven't seen i haven't seen it once bring me that well-regulated militia let's go let's go march on the dea when's that happening big macho patriot motherfuckers when's that coming Oh, no, no. Everybody's cool with all the, all the liberties being taken. Just so long as I can stroke my little gun hard on. So don't give me the we're going to defend against the tyrannical government bullshit because you're not. Not going to happen. And the corollary of that argument is, why is it 
in every other country that's just like us, economically speaking, why is it in every other country their tyrannical governments aren't oppressing them? Why do they still have the right to vote in Australia? Why are there still free speech in England? Why is there still freedom of association in France? How come their tyrannical governments haven't shut down on them yet? You know, if you really want to know where the power lies against the tyrannical government, look at how easy it is to get a gun and how hard they're making it to vote. That's where the tyrannical government comes in, is the power of the vote, not the power of the bullet. I played this little thought experiment on my uh, Facebook page, too, to test this. I said, all right, all right. Let's say that there's a shooting that somehow trips America in such a way that 50 dead concert goers didn't and 20 dead white school children didn't and nine shot African-Americans in a church didn't. Somehow there's a shooting that finally changes America's mind. I don't know. Maybe someone shoots up a gun show or a NASCAR rally. I don't know. Something, right? Let's imagine that. Let's imagine there's some shooting somehow. Finally, it somehow sunk in. Maybe they shoot up one of those big white mega churches, right? Somehow it changes America's perspective. And there's a popular movement to repeal the Second Amendment. And it's the 28th Amendment to repeal the Second Amendment. And it, it's ratified through the House and three quarters of the state legislatures ratified. I know this is a complete fantasy. It'll never happen. But pretend it did. Pretend the 28th Amendment passes. The Second Amendment is repealed. And the county sheriff comes knocking on your door to take your guns. Are you going to give them the guns? Now, if you are that, I believe the Constitution is so holy and sacred guy, then you have to hand over your guns. The Constitution has within it this process of amendment. You know, it was the process that got us the Second Amendment in the first place, has this process of amendment that was lawfully carried out. And now the Constitution that you swore an oath to says to take everyone's guns. Are you going to give them up? Because if you're not, then fuck you with your whole supporting the Constitution thing. You just like your guns, regardless of whether the Constitution says you can have them or not. And if you are, if, if you are going to give up your guns, then I can believe that you support this Constitution. That's, that's the point of that thought experiment. If you're not, <laughs> you're willing to shoot the county sheriff. You're willing to shoot Bob, the county sheriff. You're, you're willing to incite insurrection against the United States. You're ready to go down in the history books like the Confederacy as traitors against the United States because you didn't like that the majority changed the Constitution in a way you didn't like. So that's the point of that thought, of, thought experiment. The next bullshit argument that Jim Jeffries talks about that I thought was just brilliant was the, I need to defend my family. Oh, I've got to have my guns to defend my family. Now, first of all, I'd like to know why you need the AR-15 with a 30-round magazine to defend your family, right? Like, what platoon did you piss off? But <laughs> he makes the point that, like, if you've got a gun in the house and the stats show it, you're more likely to shoot yourself or someone you know 
with that gun than you are to defend yourself against some sort of robber. And people say, oh, not me, Mm -mm, not me, Uh, not me, I'm a responsible gun owner. Yeah, they're all responsible gun owners. That's I love that line. A law abiding. Why should you punish the law abiding gun owner? Well, guess what? In almost every one of these mass shootings, the mass shooter was a law abiding gun owner until the minute he started pulling the trigger. So, telling me you're a law abiding gun owner just tells me that you're one p- trigger pull from being the next massacre guy. I'm not saying you're going to do it. I am saying that everybody has their bad days. Some people sometimes get depressed. Sometimes they lose their mind a little. So this whole, I'm going to defend my family. Got to defend my family, right? So first of all, when the robber comes breaking into your house, where's the gun? Is it in your nightstand next to your bed? Great. Okay. Okay. So the robber breaks into the house, and you've got the time to get in the nightstand, get your gun, load it, make sure the safety's off, and now you're ready to defend yourself against the guy with the gun, or whoever it might be. Now, he's a robber. He might have just come in just to rob shit. He sees you come out with a gun. He just might shoot back. But also, how often is that the way the break-in happens? What What if the guy breaks into your house, and you're in the middle of having sex with the old lady? You got the gun right next to you at that point? <laughs> what, if, what if you were in the shower? You're in the shower and the guy breaks in and you don't have time to run from the shower back to where the gun is stored. So yeah, if, if you're right there with your gun and it's loaded and the safety's off and you're sitting there crouched waiting for the guy to come in, yeah, maybe you can defend your family. But most of the time, you're not going to have the gun near you. You're going to be away from it unless you're one of those guys who's going to put a gun everywhere. Oh, I've got one next to the toilet, and I've got one right there by the front door, and I got one under the couch, and I got one under the ta- taped under the table. And I, I guess you could be that guy. And then, of course, you've got these guns lying around. Next thing you know, it's your kid that's picking it up and shooting one of your other kids. A story I have to tell far too often on this show as well. We got more bullshit arguments when we come back. Stick around. <laughs> Having a fun one today. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. We do have John McAvee. He's running for the Libertarian Party nomination for president. What makes <laughs> someone like you want to take the reins of this? We're so far behind this frightening and in a cyber war. We can't hack into the Chinese. Back in 1979, they started building cyber defense systems. 
We didn't even think about it until 20 years ago. I've seen no candidates and certainly no one within government capable of dealing with this issue. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. As it relates to my brother, there's one thing I know for sure. He kept us safe. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody. It's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Uh, I have a package here for Radical Rick. Is there a Radical Rick here? How about a Rick Russ? Any any Rick Russ? Somebody named Freddie Barack has sent him a package. Anybody? What is that? Sounds like a stuff. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. 39 after the hour, almost 40, and um, still talking about guns because, hey, that's on my mind. And I thought I'd interject here just to interlude that, in case people forgot, I like guns. <laughs> I, lo- I like guns. A couple summers ago, I was out in the uh, Central Oregon desert shooting a Ruger a 9mm, I think, and, uh, and a pistol. I can't remember which pistol it was. A lot of fun. And that I come from... A family of hunters, right? My, my mom and dad celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary uh, hunt elk, regularly go elk hunting, right? And, you know, I got cousins and uncles and aunts and <laughs> that uh, they, like, uh, they like hunting too, right? And I was in the military. I've, I've shot some really cool weapons. An M16 uh, on full auto. That's fun. The M60 machine gun when I was in sergeant school. <laughs> that was a blast. So, pardon the pun. So, uh, I get it. Okay. I get how fun guns are and how cool they are. So, I'll come back to that. Uh, let's, where I left off, I was talking about the home defense argument. Oh, I got to defend my family. Okay, so one, if you're going to defend your family, you're going to have to have a gun where you can get it. And you're not always going to be around the gun where you can get it. So if that's the case, you need to have more guns around where you can get it. And the more guns you have lying around where you can get it are places where your kids can get it. And then your kids end up getting the gun and shooting themselves or each other. And it's a story that plays out every week in America. Kids shooting each other because they found mom or dad's gun in the house. Okay. So you might be the guy that says, well, not me. I'm a responsible gun owner. I have a gun safe. I keep it in a safe or I have a trigger lock or whatever. Well, in that case, you can't fucking defend your family when you need to, right? What? The burglar's going to wait for you to open the safe? (laughs) Going to wait for you. Hold on. Let me get this trigger lock off. Hold on, mister. So, you know, it's it's kind of some bullshit arguments, but I still accept it. Like I said, I'm I, Second Amendment, you got a right to bear arms and you have a right to self-defense. That's part of life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. So I'm really not I really don't have the problem so much with there being a gun for self-defense. What I have the problem with is where we start drawing the line 
as to what self-defense is. And, and I think if you're living in a studio apartment in Compton, your self-defense might be different than if you're living in a gated community in Beverly Hills. And that might be different than your self-defense if you're living, you know, out in the rural hinterlands of East Texas or something, right? I, I get that too, right? I just don't think our default ought to be that any Tom, Dick, and Harry can walk into a Walmart and buy all the ammo he wants and can go to a gun show and buy an AR-15 from a private seller with no background check. I just think, aren't those some things we could take a look at? Could, could, could we not adjust this stuff? Because if I, could, if I had the power to shape this, I would make it possible for American citizens to get damn near any piece of weaponry they want. And I'm talking all the way up to the stinger missile kind of stuff too, right? But it ought not to be universally easy across the spectrum, okay? It's like I think about drugs, right? Like marijuana, mushrooms, ecstasy, LSD, those ought to be pretty freely available. If we start getting into the cocaine and the heroin and the meth, I still think they ought to be legal, but there ought to be some restrictions and limitations on those kind of things. Well, I'm kind of the same way with guns, right? You want to have a 22 pistol. You want to have a, a 45, a revolver. You want to have something that shoots six bullets or less. That's, that should be baseline. Like, yeah, you can have that. That's a self-defense gun. That's something you could defend yourself with. When we start getting into the area of semi-automatics, we start getting into you know, large magazines, 30 rounds. What do you need to defend yourself from that you need 30 bullets in 30 seconds? You know, 30 bullets in 15 seconds or whatever. I, I, what platoon did you piss off? Now, Michael in the chat room did make a point about, have you read police reports about, you know, smash and grab robberies by gangs where five or six of them break in and blah, blah, blah. Again, something I think is probably exceedingly rare, but okay, let's suppose that happens. I would have a pathway for a person to be able to arm themselves to deal with such a thing. But it's got to be more than just, I'd like to buy a gun. (laughs) It's got to be more than that. I mean, we sell ammunition online why couldn't there be quotas? You know, with Oxycontin, that the uh, federal government has a quota on how much can be manufactured. Why couldn't we do that with ammunition? Set a limit on how much ammo could be produced. Why couldn't we, you know, there's almost 300 million guns in America. There's almost, there's, there's 0.88 guns per person in America, right? (laughs) And most of the guns are owned by a very small and and increasingly smaller minority of people. Most people in America don't own guns, but the few who do own a lot of them. So if we got 300 million guns, how about just a end to gun manufacturing? No more guns manufactured in the United States. Second Amendment doesn't say you have the right to manufacture guns, does it? Second Amendment doesn't say you have the right to sell ammo, does it? No, it says you have the right to keep and bear arms. Well, you got your arms. You got a whole bunch of them. You can keep them. Why, why not try that? That way we're not taking anybody's guns. Hey, Jimbo, Bubba, keep all your guns. You got them? Keep them. We just won't make any new ones. No more new guns. So that means the guns in existence are all that there is. And now they become a little more worth 
They have a little more worth, don't they? And eventually some of these guns will break down, right? So there'll be fewer and fewer guns eventually. And since there isn't an influx of new guns, the guns that are currently owned will be very valuable. And the cost of guns will go up. And it'll be harder to get a gun. Not impossible, but you could still get one. It's like uh, Jeffries, Jim Jeffries says in his stand-up special uh, that, uh, uh, oh, yeah, he says in his stand-up special that the, uh, um, the price of a gun on the black market in Australia, the same gun you could get for a few hundred dollars in America, costs $34,000 on the black market in Australia. $34,000, right? And he makes the point. Look, if you can come up with $34,000, you're probably doing okay in life. You're probably not the kind of person who's going to snap and go off and shoot up a, a post office or something. The guys that snap, those the ones with nothing left to lose, those are the guys that can scrounge up a couple hundred bucks, <laughs> right? That, that was his point. I thought it was kind of funny. But it also brings me to another bullshit argument, and, and this is the one I get all the time because so many people know me as the anti uh, prohibition guy. Well, we can't, we can't have any gun regulations because you know, Russ, prohibition never works. We couldn't pro, we didn't prohibit. We tried to prohibit marijuana. Marijuana didn't work. Prohibit heroin. That didn't work. Why would prohibiting guns work? Well, here's a few fucking reasons why. <laughs> Number one, guns don't grow out of the fucking ground. <laughs> okay, they have to be manufactured. That takes some effort. That takes some smithing and such. And, and don't give me the, oh, well, there's 3D printing guns. Who do you know that owns a 3D printer? <laughs> okay. Aside from that, guns take manufacturing. Pot grows out of the ground. Guns kill people. Pot does not. So stop with the whole pot prohibition didn't work, so gun prohibition didn't work, because it's bullshit. There's, they have nothing to do with one another. <laughs> nothing to do with one another. And I would point out that actually drug prohibition has worked. Drug prohibition has worked when it's a drug for which the precursor chemicals are damn near impossible to get a hold of and the chemical manufacturing of it requires a factory. You want to hear the drug that got prohibited that worked? Quaaludes. When's the last time you saw a quaalude? And they're still out there, but damn hard to get. And 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 this thing they say, well, prohibition though, prohibition never works. It does work to one extent, and that is controlling access. Right? Yeah. When when weed was illegal back in Idaho, yeah, I could still get weed. But you know what a pain in the ass it was? <laughs> I had to call my guy. He had to call his guy. I had to wait to call back from hear the call back from my guy. Had to figure out where me and my guy were going to meet. I had to go to the ATM and get cash because he won't take a credit card or a check or debit card. And then I have to drive back and meet him at the parking lot, wait for him. It's 30 minutes before he gets there. And so, yeah, I could get weed, but it was a lot harder and it cost 300 bucks an ounce. Now. I can walk down the street, walk into the pot shop and get me some weed for about eh, 125 an ounce and lots of different weed, right? So, so don't give me the idea that the prohibition, and again, before we get too far, I'm not suggesting we have a prohibition on guns. <laughs> again, second amendment, we have a right to bear arms. I'm just saying, don't give me the bullshit argument that the prohibition on them wouldn't work because Australia proved you wrong. 
Australia proved that prohibition of guns actually does work. And every study commissioned on this, the most recent meta-analysis that I just read, shows that countries and states that implement laws that restrict access, easy access to guns, not ban them, restrict easy access to them, have a corresponding reduction in gun deaths. It's like climate change, people. You can't argue it. It's just a fact. Countries that have more guns have more gun deaths. States in the United States that have more guns have more gun deaths. It's the only correlation you can make. You can't correlate the gun laws and that's the first thing the gun, the gun people will do with you, too. They'll say, oh, well, see, uh, California has all these strict gun laws, and Chicago has all these strict gun laws, and yet they have some of the highest gun rates in the world. And yeah, because those guns come from Indiana, and those guns come from Arizona, and they come from out of states where, you know, it's really easy <laughs> to get a gun. That's why you need to have some sort of national regulation on this kind of thing. Guns are fungible. They cross state lines. So, uh... You can't say it's the laws that change whether or not they're... And that's a, that's a point that the gun people make. It, it, oh, let's see. Let me get to the other one. Let me see if I can remember the other one that, that I love is the mental health argument. It's not the gun. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Not really. Not really. I know a lot of people, and they don't kill people. In fact, I would say probably most of us. I think I'm safe in saying that. Most of us don't kill people. People don't kill people. Crazy, desperate people with nothing to lose kill people. Okay? Crazy, desperate people with nothing to lose and access to guns kill people efficiently and quickly. So the people that bring me the mental health thing, I always, there's a few things I like to bring up. Number one is, what, we're the only country with crazy people? We're the only country with crazy people. There are no crazy people in Japan or England or France or Germany. Oh, yes, there are crazy people in those countries. Those people just can't get guns. <laughs> and the other one is, of course, all you people that are so fond of the Second Amendment, you're the ones who are voting for the Republicans who keep the Second Amendment intact like you like it. Those same Republicans are the ones that vote against every single proposal to increase funding for mental health care. So you can't have it both ways. <sighs> I think I'll have one more for the day when we uh, finish things up. And um, stay tuned. We'll be right back. And don't forget, Stoner Jesus coming up right after me. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Next to THC and CBD. You can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. The cannabis business industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? 
Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Normal. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. Date. Just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone. 55 after. We're just getting things closed up here. Stoner Jesus comes on next. And I don't know what he'll have to say about the events of this weekend, but <laughs> it may be differ from what I have to say. That's one nice thing, though, is we all have these different opinions, and that's why we're here is to talk about them and work them out. So thanks for being here, and thanks for putting up with me for a day where I'm not talking about weed an hour or two, because I, I, I couldn't think about weed today, to be honest. I, I, it really seemed just petty and small to think about compared to what's going on in the world. So we'll be back on the weed tip tomorrow. So well, unless somebody shoots up another room full of people, who knows? Uh, so I wanted to close with one more bullshit argument. Right. Because one of the things I noticed about the gun debate is we end up talking about everything else except guns. We talk about mental health and violent video games and what the particular law is and so forth. But the one that pisses me off, this is the argument that just so stupid. Well, you know, cars kill more people than guns do. Should we ban cars? You know, a crazy person could kill people with a knife. Should we, should we ban knives? Look, the question is not, how do we stop a crazy person from finding any way to kill people? The question is, how do we stop a crazy person from taking a gun and randomly spraying bullets in public places? Can we stick with that subject? Can we agree that crazy people spraying bullets in randomly in public places is a bad thing and if so what do you propose we do about it of course the only thing the gun people can say is well more guns arm everybody have everybody packing heat at all times (sighs) how disappointing 
Well, folks, I'm betting that absolutely nothing changes. So everything we've had to say here is pretty much moot. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for Stoner Jesus. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it.